All right, everybody, welcome to Tuesday. We've got some amazing news stories for you today, right up off the bat. You're not going to believe it, Molly, but there's another billion dollar, hundred million dollar, I believe, pre-revenue startup seed. funding oh, yeah. that's occurred. It might be pre-revenue. You're right. Holy cow. It's a seed yeah. round. Yeah, it's it's. And yet. We're not sure we hate it. I think we want in. Stay tuned for that. Exactly. Then. Yeah. We just get a little bit of a treat. Jason does oh. some uh, impromptu presentations and mm. readings from some top secret material. You are going to get life lessons delivered to you, children. Today is yes. the day. Gather around, children. It's story time. I, I you know, I, I did a presentation this weekend at a hackathon. I just share that hackathon. And then I, I wrote a little introduction for our culture handbook. So I thought I would share it with folks and get some feedback. And then in all this crazy down market with stocks collapsing left and right, one stock jumped 20%. 20% following hmm. its metrics report. We'll talk about what that stock is and how that company might be the Lego of the digital hmm. generation. Then we wrap covering some news from last week where Delta invested $60 million in Joby hmm. Aviation, the EV toll maker trying to make aviation bearable. That's fantastic. Uh, I really am excited about our VTOL future. And this is a real investment, 60 million in cash, no joke in Joby Aviation. I, mean, I feel a little bit of a J trade uh, coming on. He's got right, the stick itch. with us. Well, no, what are we saying? What's it? What's the? Uh, it's oh, gonna be a great show. That's it. Stick with us. This week in startups is brought to you by Squarespace. Turn your idea into a new website. Go to squarespace.com/twist for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code Twist to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Embroker's startup insurance program helps startups secure the most important types of insurance at a lower cost and with less hassle. Save up to 20% off of traditional insurance today at Embroker.com twist. While you're there, get an extra 10% off using offer code twist. And the Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub helps all founders build a better startup at a lower cost from day one. Open to anyone with an idea, you'll get up to $150,000 in Azure credits, technical advisory, access to mentors and experts, free dev tools, and so much more. There is no funding requirement and it only takes minutes to join. Sign up today at aka.ms slash this week in startups. All right, everybody, it's Tuesday. We got a bunch of news for you. What's in the news, Molly? Got a bunch of news. Turns out that whole AI art hmm. thing, marginal cost of creation yeah. going to zero, all the different versions of creation tools that are coming out. Big business, turns out. Big mm -hmm. startup news that broke okay. uh, after we taped yesterday, Monday. Stable diffusion maker Stability AI raised okay. a $101 million seed Whoa. round. Okay, seed and name only. Okay, okay. That valued the company at a billion dollars. Okay. So yeah. I'm clear. Dolly is an open source project. You talk to it, it makes stuff. Yeah. Stable Diffusion is similar. It's I've never sort of, used Stable Diffusion. It's sort of like that, but what people like about Stable Diffusion is that it includes an editing tool. So you would generate mm. an image, but then you can, you know, apply filters and you can fuzz it. This is the one that people were using okay. to create those like incredible like fantasy scenes yes. that look like they were ripped from one of the last two episodes of lord of the rings that were amazing and crazy yeah, and so here it is uh you you tell it what you want to make and then you can edit the changes on it right mm -hmm. so you can yeah yeah wow. you can really mess with it it's open source software is also by the way available to the public mm -hmm. letting users build on its code so it's sort of like the roblox of ai generation users can build on its code to make apps that are related to design, film, AR, video games, ads, and e-commerce. So it's Amazing. kind of this like enabling platform for a suite of dev tools, it sounds like. According to Bloomberg, CEO Imad Mostak claims Stable Diffusion has more than 10 million daily users across all channels. Wow. And its web app Dream Studio has more than one and a half million users. I haven't yet gotten to the part where they make enough money to justify a billion dollar valuation, but maybe we just don't care anymore because the world is being changed in front of our eyes. This is a it's a big bet. I mean, if they have 10 million people and they have a billion dollar valuation, that would be $100 per user. So they're valuing each user free user, because mm -hmm. it's currently free, I believe there's no paid version, correct? I think yeah. yeah. So that would make it $100 per person. And you'd have to wonder, 
what eventually is the business model. The business model was SaaS, and it was 10 bucks a month, 25 bucks a month, which is what Canva costs, right? Something in that mm -hmm. range, Photoshop, Adobe Suite. And you had a million people uh, paying 25 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month seems very reasonable for something this powerful. You know, it's a quarter billion dollars a year. So could they convert 5% or 10% of people eventually? Sure, why not? So it is definitely giving them a lot of credit uh, ahead of time as a valuation. But this is the type of situation that happens when there's a new technology, somebody's clearly in the lead commercially, and there's competition. So in order mm -hmm. to see something an outlier like this, Molly, there has to be competition. So there must have been 10 VC firms looking at this and five who were competing for the deal. I could see that. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I suppose if they also have this um, plug-in model and apps that can layer on top of it model, they could take a cut from that. Yeah, I mean, a million different ways sold, to do yeah, it. Yeah, a million different I mean, ways to monetize. It doesn't even have to just be charging a single user $10 a month, right? It could be a B2B model or a, some sort of an enterprise or an app store. A million different ways to uh, give people like, say, a light version. And then if you wanted to do high res, if you wanted filters and libraries, they could charge extra for that. I would think an app store would come in handy here, mm -hmm. where if you want to build an app for it, like, let's say I am a famous artiste. And I said, I'm going to make my own collection. And this is where copyright is going to become the major issue for these products. And it's really unknown law of how this is going to come out. There's one theory that, hey, you know, this is a tool like a paintbrush. And you can just, you know, whoever paints with it, you know, uh, it's up to them to respect copyright. So if I were to paint, I don't know, a Marvel character Wolverine using this, and then I sell that Wolverine print. Uh, okay, yeah, maybe uh, Marvel and Disney might have a problem with it. Now, if this thing points its AI at a known artist today, and then I guess there's an argument that maybe the platform that trained an AI on an existing data set that was copyrighted would have a problem. And this falls under the concept of fair use and derivative work, mm -hmm. which as you know, since you've been covering this for a while, I'll explain it for the audience, is a multi-layer test. And the our government uh, and our legal system essentially leaves it up to the people who are feel infringed to then take action, right? right? So there's not like you can go to the court and say, hey, I made this tool, am I breaking the law? Mm -hmm. As we saw with crypto writ large, you know, you should be thinking about the law and, and interpreting it. And so I think it's a very interesting moment in time. Uh, because a lot of people are going to think there's no copyright issues here, because the AI did stuff, but who trained the AI? What mm -hmm. data set was it trained on? And then if you do the four part test, does it confuse the public? And so if you took somebody's fantasy work, and you base this on the Lord of the Rings, or a specific Lord of the Rings, like the one owned by HBO, new line, and you trained it on that, and then I start making my own paintings based on that. Well, man, you have the celebrities who are in there, the, the the movie studio, and you have Token, who Token's estate that might have a problem with that. Right, right. Um, it is it is clear, however, that everybody that full steam ahead. I just looked up a story related to other mm. uh, companies in this field that have been raising. So there's so obviously stable diffusion valuation of a billion dollars. There's a company called Hugging Face, which is a developer platform like GitHub that hosts mm -hmm. pre-trained models including, by the way, the one evidently that Stable Diffusion uses, or at least one of the models that Stable Diffusion uses. Mm -hmm. That was valued at $2 billion uh, earlier this year after raising money from Lux Capital and Sequoia. And then there's OpenAI, which is the one that's the most well-known, which has gotten over a billion dollars in funding from Microsoft and Coastal Ventures. Yeah. So, so clearly, everyone's making the same bet here, which is this is the future of everything. Well, what is it going to, I wonder what the business model is for the people using these tools. Is this eventually going to be how uh, editorial is made for magazines or websites for movies? Is, is AI eventually going to make these things? I think that's what people are betting is that there's some commercial use case here. It's not just mm -hmm. a bunch of us, you know, playing with the tool to make things that make us happy, but that there's actually a business model here at some point where... right people doing commercial art actually use so I'm making a billboard for the new iPhone. And I'm the designer and I decide, hey, I want people dancing and I want them to, you know, evoke, I don't know, the 1950s, but with, you know, this style, and, and all of a sudden, it makes something and 
Yeah, it's, it's super yeah. fascinating to me. I know. This article, the CNBC article I just found says the same thing that you just said, which is like right now there's not an obvious profitable use. It's just kind of free or low-cost experimentation, people having a lot of fun with it. I mean, presumably you could start to use it for modeling. One imagines, you know, you could use it, not modeling like the people on Instagram, but like what will this look like, this concept, if we were to try to build sure. it? You could use it for prototyping. prototyping. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's sort of... words we mentioned before in a previous discussion, right? Yeah, exactly. But yes, copyright, obviously, going to be an issue. Labor, like when you just start getting rid of jobs wholesale because the cost of creation is zero. It's just what, a what bit... What categories but it feels of like jobs a turning do you think this gets rid of? I mean, I graphic designers, like anybody, like illustrators, gone. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess then the question becomes, what is the role of an illustrator? I was thinking like, just really simply, remember logos? You used to hire, a, when you started a company, part of the process, yeah. you'd get servers in the internet business, you'd, you'd get an office space, you know, and then instead of getting servers, you use AWS. Instead of getting an office space, you use WeWork or people work from home. You'd buy a software platform, you buy Oracle databases, now you just use some open source software. All of those things have been abstracted away, but the world keeps on spinning and life is still great, right? So we wiped out a lot of jobs there, mm -hmm. theoretically, but then we created so much more because so many more startups and creative projects were launched, even though you didn't have to hire a sysadmin for every startup, right? The sysadmin yep. job, the server group, the people who manage the server room went away. So here, yep. I, I was thinking about logos. It used to be you would spend $5,000 on a logo when you're doing a startup, something in that range. Sometimes you pick 10 mm -hmm. and somebody would come to your office. I don't know if you've ever been involved in these discussions at CNET when they were making new projects oh or whatever. I mean, logo redesigns, like... yeah. Months, they will be a months, months, a years long yeah. project, they will cost hundreds of 1000s, even millions of dollars. And now the mm -hmm. idea that you could have one of these generative AIs just churn out a 100 options in immediately a minute, Forget it. I mean, just immediately, you can just be like, Hey, I, I want a logo that reminds you of Apple computers and Nike. Uh, but that is somehow around dolphins. And then all of a sudden, it's like, right, <laughs> here are like, dolphin Nike esque logos that you know have swooshes in it or whatever and so that goes away or the person who does logos can now make instead of a logo a week and doing 50 clients a year can do 50 clients a week right mm -hmm. so you just you 50x there because they might still want to polish it right they yeah. might still want to have the ai tweak it and uh, make something and then they tweak it and make all the different versions of it so i kind of see it like that they're still sysadmins to the example of servers they just don't rack servers yep they do other settings on the service. They move up the stack a bit or whatever. So, and it's much more complicated to be, you know, like managing servers at that level is much more complicated because it's so much more scale. So the job actually got, took on some technical overtones. So then you could imagine an illustrator here becomes a curator. Human, the human eye gets used as the final word on something. So you have like one art director maybe instead of a stable mm. of illustrators and creators. Apparently, yeah. uh, the CEO uh, said that other practical uses down the road could be making metaverse apps and creating PowerPoints. I like those two, <laughs> like those two back I to mean, back. I did a PowerPoint this weekend. Uh, and oh, it's a nightmare. You did it yourself? Yeah. I, I just did a text-based one where I said, yeah. I can run you through it at the end of the episode if you want. It might be a fun thing to do. But I just said, here's why you should start a startup. And mm -hmm. I gave that to the cowhawks people. In fact, maybe I'll pull it up and do it at the end of the startup. Yeah, but I didn't it. put any images in it. Because once you start putting images, you start doing stuff. I find like then I'm relying on the images, not the text and the message. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not trying to get points for doing something funny or creative that way. I wanted to just do that. But I, yeah, I could see that, right? I want to do a slide deck. I would like this slide to have people climbing a mountain to hit a certain goal and you know, make the mountain made out of the logos of startups that have become unicorns. Boom, boom. <laughs> like, <gasps> pretty cool, right? I should totally do that. Yeah. Listen, Squarespace is the platform where you can build or sell anything. And you all know, I've talked about it forever. I've been talking about Squarespace for a decade. We love it here. We use it for all of our websites. It's beautiful. It's responsive. They have 24 hours, seven day a week, 365 day a year, amazing support. And you know, they have these beautiful templates. So your website looks like you spent a quarter million dollars on it. They've also added all this powerful e-commerce functionality. And what is in that e-commerce functionality? Inventory management APIs, advanced analytics. Now, 
they have the ability to sell content and membership. This is critical. So for example, maybe you're a piano teacher or you're a chef, you want to sell cooking lessons, you can do that. All of that is built into Squarespace. And this is why Squarespace is such a brilliant company. The team sits there, they study the customers, they talk to the customers, and they say, hey, what can we build for you to make your life better and easier? And they just include it in the product. You can add online booking and scheduling too now. Think about that. You've got classes, or maybe you're a hairdresser, you're a tennis teacher. Now you got booking and scheduling built right in. Your clients can see your availability, right? And you don't have to worry about coordinating calendars. It's all just done easy peasy, lemon squeezy right inside there. Head to squarespace.com slash twist for a free trial. And when you have friends in your life, well, like, I need to build a website. You don't need to hire a developer. Just go to squarespace.com slash twist and tell your friends, start a free trial. When you're ready to uh, check out and you're going to use it, use the offer code twist. Then you get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Do you want to, Nick is saying in the chat, he's like, do you want to just do that right now? Yeah, pull it up. I'll, I'll yeah, run you through let's it. Let's do it. This was just something where I was kind of begging people, please don't go work at a big company. If you're thinking about doing a startup, please do it. Mm-hmm. And my justification for that uh, to these 2000 developers who are from Berkeley and everywhere else. So amazing. I'll run you through it real quick. I'll do like four or five slides that you ask questions. So I love it. Uh, why you should build or join a startup. Do not join a big company with rare exceptions. Next slide. Startups hire one person to do five yo- jobs. Big companies hire five people to do one job. I talk about this all the time. So you're going to get a lot more experience if you go to a startup. Don't fall into the big salary money honey trap. This is one of the reasons uh, people lose a decade of their life. Big companies uh, offer them all kinds of salary and options and, of course, all these perks. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a reason why big companies want to do your laundry and your mom and dad don't want to do it anymore. They want to see you be independent. The big company does not want you to be independent. The big company wants to breed dependency with you so that you don't then go on and compete against them or not use your talents inside of their money printing machine. Big companies are filled with BS. So if you do go to one, be prepared. Politics, pecking orders, and mediocrity is what you're going to deal with every single day of your life. If that's something that's interesting to you, and some people are interested in politics, by all means, you can... Go to Washington and you'll see a lot of mediocrity and peck norms and politics. Go to work for government. But it, big companies are just below that in terms of dealing with this kind of nonsense. Next slide. Big companies fight innovation. Startups breed it. So if you have a big public company, the public shareholders are going to fight you to milk every last sweet drop of juice out of that orange. They are not going to want you to new, do new projects. And startups are required to build a new product in order to exist. So if you don't innovate as a startup, you go away. And if you're in a big company, and you innovate, uh, you get attacked by all of your shareholders, as we're seeing with meta, they decided they wanted to innovate, their stock price got knocked by, uh, you know, by less than, you know, knocked in half, Uh, keep your burn extremely low and your options open. This and this is a, you know, it's intended for young people, you know, no families, Mm -hmm. no, this was people in college. So this is a life lesson. This is keep your life burn extremely low and your options open. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you keep your burn extremely low and your options open, overhead kills options. Now, if you get ahead of your skis and you get a big mortgage payment, you got two car payments, you go to private school, I don't know, you go on fancy vacations, and instead of getting like a studio, you get the two bedroom and just stretch yourself. Now you're dependent on that big company salary. So don't Mm -hmm. spend up to the salary, spend the minimum, and then put your time into your career and your experiences with your friends. Much better option, I believe. Next slide. Joining a one-year startup is your best first option. Uh, Starting a company is very hard, but joining a company that's already at Techstars, Y Combinator, Launch Accelerator, super easy. Join a company that's raised a seed round, a Series A. And just don't worry about your salary. Don't overthink it. Worry about how much you're going to learn and how fast you're going to learn it. How cool is the idea? How smart are the founders? And you can always quit and go back to the big companies. It's always going to be there. But now is the best time ever to build a startup. Why? Well, because everybody's scared and talents abundant or absurd, the absurd salary packages are getting pulled from the big companies and cash is sitting on the sidelines waiting to fund your startup, work hard and learn everything you can something we talk about here internally, we focus on professional development, just learn everything you can. Mm-hmm. When you work at a company, they're paying you. And people can get a little bit, uh, you know, oh, my God, I'm working these hours, I'm not getting paid for them, I work 12 hours. Well, if you're working on something road, okay, I get it. If you're just pushing boulders up a hill, I get it. But if you learn some new skill today, by the way, that accrues to you mm-hmm. more than it accrues to the company because you get that skill for life. The company gets it for whatever number of hours you work a week and however long you stay there and they pay you for it. But you get it for free. 
You get it for free. They paid you to learn something. And you want to specialize, learn very specific tools. But you also want to generalize. You want to learn how to sell, learn how to do operations, learn basic legal concepts, learn how to do project management. Next slide. Yep. Equity equals destiny. Power, freedom, and money are driven by equity or in venture carry. This is how you can uncap your earning potential. Uh, so make sure that you have some ability to eventually in your life, it doesn't have to happen immediately, but to get equity to get carry, you know, again, it doesn't have to happen year one, but you do want to have it happen in decade one, because if you do hit, my Lord, you have power and freedom to do whatever you want and shape the world however you want. Next slide. The days are long, but the years are short. One day you're going to wake up, you're going to be 30, 40, and then 50. And one day you're not going to wake up. Do not <laughs> waste 20 years at one of these big companies. Yeah, or 30 years, Molly, you understand yeah. what I'm saying? I do. It went by fast, did it not? All so of a fast. sudden, it goes by real fast. Next slide. Come to Founding University. Starts November 14th. Take a screenshot oh of this God. QR code. <laughs> Next slide. You're going to die. You should come to Founding University. It's like the best pitch ever. <laughs> yeah. I love also, that. Also, I have two podcasts. <laughs> Life is short. And two Listen podcasts. Listen to my podcast. Look at your QR codes. Look at your little lion in the middle of the all-in one. That's delightful. Well, that was Brave. I was using the Brave browser, and it has a thing where you can go on a website and just... Hit right mouse click on and it. just create it. That's so cool. Yeah, I love just right mouse click. So, that's my is, quick talk. What do you think? I think that we should get some merch made that says "Life is short, start a company." Yeah, it's a good one. It's like Absolutely. so great, it's right? It's Life just short, like start a company. Yeah, life I is mean, short, start a company. Exactly. Life is short, start a company. So that was my little diversion this week, and I, I told them, you know, one of the they, they're going to send me the ten uh winners of the hackathon from yesterday from awesome. this hackathon that want to create companies they're going to send me an email i'm going to meet with all 10 maybe you'll join me for some of them and uh, i said we'll accept one of them either into the accelerator or we'll, we'll have them go to founding university and give them 25 amazing amazing so that's going to be my new shtick every close this new fund is like maybe going to some of these hackathons and then picking somebody from it if they start a company like i'm not just gonna give a 25k prize but if they start, want to start a company we'll give them the seed funding uh you know after we talk to them so anyway just I, a little idea Talk to a founder today. I mean, this is such a like, this is the time if you are one of those people who's in one of those big companies and like your options aren't worth as much right now. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not going to be fun at all <sighs> for the duration painful. of this downturn, right? It's just going to be nothing but pain layoffs and cut projects and this and that. Now is the moment. I literally talked to a founder today who was like, I had my soul sucked out of me by a burp company. And I took my money from my options and I've been bootstrapping a new company because I used my time at burp company to figure out a whole in their product offerings. Mm -hmm. So many of you who feel trapped at those big companies are in literally the perfect position right now. Yeah, and they're always going to be there. They're always mm -hmm. going to be there. I mean, I just every day I wake up and I talk to my team at inside.com. I talk to my team at launch and I watch people's careers. And actually today I was writing because uh, we have our management meeting this week. I wanted to mm -hmm. share with you guys my thinking on mentoring people to become world class investors. So I kind of wrote my little missive here amazing yeah i wrote a amazing should i read it <laughs> since we're since i'm just going into my docs and i'm reading them today i mean maybe after the meeting like you don't want to spoil it for all of us what do you think i don't know it's so You're like no, good. i want to it's so good <laughs> it's so good <laughs> I know that feeling. it's a little crazy if i'm being honest uh-huh uh-huh like i can be at times where is my... So the question is, are you going to try it out in public or in private? I'm assuming in public. That's just what we do here. It's just the introduction. I don't... There this doesn't go. have the details. So, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll read yeah. it. Give us the intro. Give us the intro. Introduction. Our goal at launch... I literally have not read it. I just wrote it today. Our goal at launch is to have a rapid, transparent, and supportive career path for driven and hardworking individuals. We believe that being a world-class investor requires the same amount of time and effort that becoming a world-class founder requires. Massive. As a firm... We have decided to spend the majority of our effort developing emerging talent, not recruiting existing investors with track records. The strategy requires us to provide mentorship and professional development, and for you to provide discipline, execution, and enthusiasm over a sustained period of time. We recognize our goal is to be the most successful and supportive venture firm in the world is very bold, and it's certainly not for everyone. In fact, it's not for most individuals in venture capital based on what I've experienced. It's kind of like a personal letter from me to mm -hmm, the person it. considering working here. I may make this actually like a public thing, like they have culture documents like Netflix does. Yeah. Many of the individuals I've met in our field are excited about the perks, compensation, and leisurely lifestyle that venture capital affords. They take long vacations, work short hours, and rely on founders to do the heavy lifting in their portfolios. We are here to match the Herculean effort of our founders. This means being available to our founders 24 hours a day, seven days a week to get the job done, literally. 
This means coming to every meeting with a founder with a person with a prepared mind, relentless positivity and deep curiosity about their vision. If you're looking for a nine to five job with balance, where you can turn it off on weekends and take long vacations, this is not the firm for you. If you want to cut years out of your career path, be challenged constantly, and be of true service to founders, you are in the right place. That's my little introduction. I love it. I'm going to quickly explain one of the crucial types of insurance that every startup needs. It's cyber insurance. Obviously, this covers hacks, which happen more than you think. The world is crazy right now. We all know that cyber hacks are happening constantly. So if you don't have business insurance, you failed. One of the first steps of being a founder. And even startups need to get this insurance in place early because crazy things happen. It's not that expensive and it doesn't take a lot of time thanks to our friends at Embroker. Their technology saves you so much time, so much money because prices are 20% lower and you get better coverage than the incumbents. You go from sign up to quote and purchase in just 10 minutes. Think about that. When you work with Embroker, instead of these large, slow incumbents, you're not dealing with big companies that want to talk to you on the phone for hours and hours, and then they forget about you, they never call you back. No, you got a professional, nimble organization. Sign up takes only days, not weeks, and the process is completely transparent. There's no opaque pricing, no. They're going to treat you right. To instantly buy custom-built insurance for startups, go to Embroker.com slash twist. While you're there, get an extra 10% off by using the offer code TWIST. Thanks, and broker, you do a great job over there. I, I'm not a maniac, but we deal with maniac founders who do set quite a pace, right? Not all of them, but really hopefully they do. Understand? I mean, granted, I'm new here, <laughs> but like, Nine I months. don't understand how you would do this job without that some version of that expectation. Um, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I guess if you didn't, maybe if they were later in their careers. I don't know how you could do early stage of, venture yeah. without that, right? Like it's a very, it's a high touch it operation. Is. Well, imagine you didn't have founder university or you didn't have an accelerator. Now yeah. you take like whatever, half the effort we do. Now imagine you just did seed investments and you just did big ones mm -hmm. and you didn't worry about follow on and you didn't join the board. Now all of a sudden you'd free up another 20% of your time. Mm -hmm. And let's say you didn't feel the need to, you would tell founders like, hey, we'll invest when there's an up round, but that's it. And we're not going to provide any, we don't need to read your monthly updates. Like a lot of VCs kind of take that approach, right? Hmm. So, you know, what we do is just different. Now, I, I, I know there are firms that actually do work as hard as we do. And those mm -hmm. are the ones that have, you know, names that are, you know, legendary. And so I'm trying to build something legendary and it just means like a, a certain, I, I don't want to, be maniacal. Everybody here takes vacations. Or, but I think also everybody here works really hard and takes the work seriously. Everybody here so works I'd like really to sort hard. out people who are lifestyle based. Um, if that makes it's sense. A, it's a type look, first of all, I, I like the I like any kind of intentional workplace, like this is who we are. And this is what we're trying to accomplish. And this is what it will take because that is yeah. a clear expectation that if you <laughs> if you came in expecting something else, that's actually on you. And it's yeah. a type. Like, mm. I sort of talk all the time about workers and what they want yeah. and what they should get. And no, they don't want to be treated like crap and whatever. But like, I have no chill. I personally have no chill. Yes. When I yeah. accidentally wake up too early on a weekend, I'm like, oh, I can get some work done. Like, it's a sure. <laughs> it's a personality. It takes a certain personality to be a founder. Correct. It takes a person, certain personality to just want to work all the time because you feel so fulfilled and excited by it. And then it doesn't become work. It's just a passion. And it yeah. really is like, I think when things become a vocation, you know, like a priest or a Jedi, you know, or a coach in some cases, they don't wake up and they're like, oh my God, time to make the donuts. They're like, hmm, donuts, yeah. you know, like just wake up. Like, this is what I do. I make donuts. Donuts right? are my like, life. Donuts are life. Football I, I mean, is life. Well, I mean, you look at somebody like Kobe, rest in peace, uh, and, and, and Michael Jordan, the effort those people mm -hmm. put into their careers, like, it was even compared to their contemporaries insane. You know, I don't know if you watched that uh, Redeem Team. I started watching the Re Redeem Team. I haven't team watched that one yet, doc. but a lot of people have been talking about it. I, I watched a couple of clips and now I'm pulled in, but, you know, this Kobe is going to the gym at five in the morning yep. and he's in the lobby uh, in this hotel in China and, like, uh or wherever it was and maybe that wasn't when they were in america training uh for it and carmelo anthony and lebron and Dwayne wade come in and they're young upstarts in the league and kobe's like hey you guys going to the gym and they're like we just got back from the club and he's like all right i'll be in the gym and it's 5 30 and so then the next day yeah. like at seven they came to the gym the next day 6 30 you know and he did three workouts a day i've been reading a 
about him and uh, a truly unique individual in terms of the effort yeah. he put in uh, was just just different just very different anyway that's i think that's my opening salvo for this i just this is one of the reasons i haven't hired a lot of people with too much experience in venture because mm -hmm. it, in a lot of cases the people who are available in venture are the ones who are not at a top firm because they're at a top firm right so then you're getting the people who are available who probably got bounced from a mid-tier firm and i'll be totally honest I, I look at their Instagram and I'm like, does this person work? Or like, I <laughs> you're look like, at you're having way too much fun. <laughs> well, I mean, I, listen, again, I skied 40 days last year, but I skied two hours right. a day. And I people saw me on, you know, I was doing meetings at nine o'clock at night after I put my daughters to bed and, and checking my email. So yeah. I think just really, to your point, being intentional about mentoring people and, and what we want to do here. And so cultivating, just, right? And hiring for what you want. I just think I think that's, that's what it's all about. I'm also trying to figure out how to define what is success. One of the things that remote has taught me is that as a manager, you have to really understand what people, what people are doing or what they need to do in order to be successful, as opposed to just getting people to show up at an office and work, right? In the, mm -hmm. in the previous modality, it was like, did I get 20 people to come to this office? And did we all move the company forward? Now you're like, if that person's at home, I don't know exactly what they're doing. I'm not over their shoulder. I'm not recording their screen. You know, they're not like a call center employee. Okay, so what does it mean to be a successful venture capital? Okay, a capitalist. Oh, to be a successful investor, you need deal flow. Okay, what is deal flow? Okay, deal flow is inbound and hunting stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you've watched me now this year as with Mike and our new president and, and everybody on the team and yourself included just iterating on what defines somebody who wins in venture. Uh, is it doing 20 meetings a week that are inbound? Or is it doing five that were hunted? You mm -hmm. know, like, th that's a question I don't have the answer to. Yeah, I don't have the answer yet. Or, or does it come from emailing your 10 venture capital friends every week, or 10 different ones every week saying, Hey, what are you anything interesting? Or does it come from reading news articles or going to, you know, websites where developers are hanging out or going to hackathons? I, I don't have all the answers. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm trying to build a process for that. Yeah, so it's fun to be on the journey, isn't it? It's awesome. Anything else in the news? Oh, can I tell you one thing about that previous story? Sorry. Oh, yeah. This would be an interesting time because this is like WordPress. Mm -hmm. There was WordPress.org and then Matt made WordPress.com. There were 20 other businesses that became very significant that used the WordPress open source project. Yep. So if you're a part of the stable diffusion community, you're within your right, obviously, to fork it and do different things with it. So stable diffusion, the company, the dot com, mm -hmm. they probably don't own the IP around this. So you could do diffusionable, you know, or something else. I'm not saying compete with them directly. But you could say, you know what, I think that the business here is going to be turning these into NFTs and having that toolkit. I think the business here is going to be storyboarding and for Hollywood. So I'm going to take stable diffusion and make the Hollywood version of it. Mm -hmm. So I do want to encourage people when they see something big like this happen, if you're a founder, and you're into this, and it's your jam, don't feel dissuaded, uh, or demoralized. It's an open source project. Exactly. Feel inspired. Feel if there's a billion dollar company already, that means there's going to be 10 more. Right. And there are three billion dollar companies. One yeah. of them is a $2 billion company. Like, so yeah, draft mm. off of this, get into this space. And then it's so interesting. This leads perfectly into our next story, which is also about a platform for creation mm. yeah. that has done really well. So Roblox shares jumped on Monday, uh, 20%. After in, I think in large part, because there had been a lot of like nervous mumbling about its earnings and people saying mm -hmm. like, oh, Roblox isn't doing well. And its stock price was sort of tanking. So Roblox did this September 2022 metrics report. It was not an official earnings report, mm -hmm. but they put out this metrics report and they showed that daily active users were up 23% year over year. Roblox peaked at a $78 billion market cap back in November 2021. Crazy. It's down 67.5% since then, which compared to some tech Stocks is actually not <laughs> that bad. <laughs> They're not in that 80 to 90% no, They were club. cut two thirds, right? For the they were cut two thirds. I mean, it was bad, yeah. but it yeah. could have been a lot worse. But what's so interesting about Roblox is that a lot of people in response to the conversations about the metaverse have been saying, look, this already exists, right? That platform exists in some way. It's already being built on and it's Roblox. And also it's sort of similar to our conversation about stable diffusion and the one that's more like a GitHub where it's like they're becoming the enabling layer yeah. for people to create on top of it. And in gaming, Roblox is still Godzilla. Yeah, um, 
I didn't jade trade this, but we jade traded it. It turned out Jade loved this company and she put really? shares in it at the IPO. Yeah. yeah. She knows what's And so up. she's written it up and now it's, it's an official jade trade in here. Okay, jade trading. Jade is trading. Amazing. Is I want to see your portfolio side by side. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling she'd beat me. <laughs> so it's great to see them growing again. I think this is part of this bottoming out process. And one of the reasons I started J trading is I think we're going to see during every one of these storms and everything's collapsing. Well, somebody who's obsessed with their customers and their customers are delighted. Do, do the kids playing Roblox care about the stock market? Ukraine, Taiwan, Xi Jinping, Iran, uh, bonds, the deficit? No. What do they care about? Mm-hmm. They, you know, it, they, they just they, want to play they games care. with their friends. Exactly. And yep. so there are going to be businesses that grow through the storm. Now, this is hard for people to understand because it's so scary right now, right? I mean, so many companies going out of business, hiring freezes, layoffs, stock market turmoil, the geopolitical issues are feel over insurmountable and overwhelming at times, a sense of mm -hmm. dread when you open up your feed. But pause for a second. Uh, people stop eating hamburgers. No, Mr. Beast Burger is going to be okay. People who mm -hmm. stop watching Mr. Beast, people stop buying iPhones, maybe. Anyway, it's going to be a mixed bag. And uh, here we see some people are going to grow coming out of this, right? Yeah. Uh, so and congrats it, and to the team. The platform, they're like the digital version of Lego, like the thing that lets you build and build and build and build and mm -hmm. build and build. And I mean, think about the enduring legacy of that. So yeah, congratulations to them. And smart to put out this. I don't know how regularly they put out this metrics report, but I think it was really smart of them to get ahead of hmm. these kind of rumors and this like market negativity and the CNBC bitching. Sorry, yeah. pardon my language and just be it's like, okay. actually, we're killing it. Yeah, you put the ING. It's okay. I think you can use it with the ING. Thank you. I mean, it's you're still just, kind of a swear, but I don't know if it's going to get. I think it's kind of you're talking like it's gender neutral. It's complaining. Anybody oh, can I'm not be worried complain. about the. I'm not worried about the gender oh, okay. thing. I'm worried about getting. Well, the I am. E. I'm just very sensitive the to this. E. I know. Look at you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but I mean, the number of hours of engagement is crazy. And I also think the Whoa. number of daily active users is bonkers. 52 in the Q2, they had 52.2 million, million people using the product every day. That's DAOs for people new to the uh, startup game. Daily active users, monthly active users, and there's all kinds of other uh, things we look at, but the, and you can just, you can divide the daily active users into the monthly active users to get a ratio, right? There's all kinds of interesting things here, but 11.3 billion hours? went up in September, went up the when went to month school. that school started. Exactly. Hmm. That, that daily active user number went up, wow. which makes me wonder if there are schools building program, right? There I might be so. educational games yeah. being built on top of this. And four, they had 4 billion hours engaged i'd love to interview the ceo of this company david um, yeah, i know some show. people who invested we gotta we gotta get in touch with david all right everybody i'm here today with obi akpuda he is the program manager at microsoft for startups welcome to the program obi i appreciate you jason thanks for having me tell me a little bit about why you're choosing to give such a huge number of azure credits to startups because i see a lot of them taking advantage of it now 1000 percent. microsoft startups were on a mission to help all founders grow innovate no matter their background, progress, or location. So really trying to close any type of, you know, inequality gap, any type of wealth location or access gap. We know it starts with the resources. And so that's what we're starting with, you know, a plethora of resources starting out with the Azure credits. It's a very nuanced thing there. It's uh, these kind of credits from other companies uh, in the industry have been limited. You know, they're sure. only available to people who maybe went to the most elite programs or, you know, it was a kind of an insider's club. You'll give these credits to any startup anywhere that wants to change the world and build a great product, correct? 1000%. I think the biggest thing we pride ourselves on is creating an ecosystem that doesn't require startups to be investor back or to be validated, if you will, by any third party. When we say for all, we truly mean for all. So that's one thing we're really proud to say. All right. Thanks so much, Obi. Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub has no fundraising requirements. As we discussed, it's open to anybody and it only takes five minutes to apply. You can get up to six figures in benefits as we talked about. Well done, Obi. Sign up for the Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub today at aka.ms slash this week in startups aka.ms slash this week in startups obi's waiting for you my guy's going to take care of you ciao the thing i think is going to be very interesting in all of this that people are probably not thinking about and this could be a pair trade as chamath likes to talk about roblox and apple to win the metaverse mm -hmm. minus and you short the facebook mm -hmm. i think roblox is not going to align themselves with facebook 
anybody who would partner with Zuckerberg is crazy. Anybody who partners with Apple is brilliant because you know what Apple's going to do? Apple's not creating a Roblox competitor uh, or going to try to buy the company. They're going to try to find a thousand different developers to make Roblox like experiences for their headset. And they're going to make $800 every time they sell a headset mm -hmm. like they do with their laptops and phones. So there yeah. you have it. They absolutely are. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> Nick, Nick traded Meta. Oh, he might In not have traded Nick. Oh, I, I think it's not a bad one. I don't, I don't think it's, you, uh, I think it is too cheap. I think they're trading at a very low PE. It is really cheap. It and is really I cheap. I think that they're going to do some riffs or do some gentleman's layoffs kind of situation, come back to the office or whatever. And yeah, I would like pretty... to also get an update, Molly, on maybe one of our readers or some Apple insiders can tell us. Remember we talked about Apple going back to the office and then people were quitting? What happened with that? Are they actually in the office three days a week? Did they actually, were they actually able to execute on that? And then how many people quit? So if you work at Apple, somebody slide into our DMs and just tell us what the vibe is. Yeah. In Cupertino, are people going to the office or not? Or at mention us on your. I your even burner think the account? quitting was probably overstated. Like, mm, yeah. I mean, maybe some did, but I didn't hear a massive. No, no whooshing sound. Know. There was one no person, whooshing sound. One of, of our noties says, "Yes, literally here at, at Apple. Maybe I'm, mm. I'm going to need you to. I'm going to need you to clarify, noty friend. Um, <laughs> I, I, think the that, I think that he stays another hour. He gets dinner." I know plenty of people who were really upset about having to go back to the office. And now that they're back in the office, they like it fine, right? Like we all act like the oh, way they we like feel it. right now is the way yeah. we're going to feel forever. I'm sure there are some people who hate it. I'm but excited to go back to the office on Wednesday. Com commuting back to the office. Yeah. And they're like, I thought it was going to be horrible, but it's actually kind of a nice break to get away from the house. I mean, when I was just at this, like living the digital nomad life, mm -hmm. which I had not done before. Yeah. Oh my God. I was so productive. I could tell. I saw your email and your, um, your Slack messages going up. I also yeah. said uh, you seemed a little more chipper. I'm not saying think, you're not always chipper, but you seem no, no, chipper. No, I think there was probably partly that, right? It was like yeah. getting away from my, but it was getting the away routine. from my environment and away no, from my routine. I'm losing my mind. I feel like I'm trapped in this, like my house. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not technically like, trapped, but I don't have a reason to leave. Yeah. I'm about to rejoin. Like I used to belong to this like sort of swim and tennis club that's around the corner from uh, my house. Now I want to be clear that I have a pool and a home like at least a, like a bike and workout gear, you know, like but you just want to see gym. humans. I just want to see humans. Yeah, no, it's nice to see humans. I and agree. I want to go there and work in their little clubhouse and not have a dog stare at me and not feel like I might want to do the dishes and not to, you know, it's like, yeah, all I agree. The work is still happening, but it happens in such a focused way when you're in a different location that it's actually really nice. Oh, uh, I could get back into like a one day a week thing. I'm not going to mandate it just for anybody on my team who's like worried. I'm not going to mandate it. But I'm, we're, we're having an offsite meeting on Wednesday at the old office. So I'm stoked. We'll see, you know, like then uh, I'm excited to time dinner. out the commute. See, you know, just just see, just, just see. see. Just say, I mean, it might be nice Just to, to see. wouldn't it be nice maybe to do one episode in person a week or something, or maybe yeah. do like a, if we did like a like Monday Fridays night live or, or something. Or Friday Night Live. I'm not saying every Friday, but if, imagine if we had like a space where we could let people come and you and I would just put on a show uh, totally. once a week and interview somebody important and people Thursdays. I choose Thursdays. That's a great Thursdays, day for that. Perfect. And then you kind of like you roll out to like dinner in the city. Perfect. Love it. Yeah. Great. Okay. I'm into All it. Right. I'm into it. Hey, there was a We Live in the Future I wanted to cover there here. There was. Good. Great. This has been kicking around and we've been, we've just, this is like one of Jason's favorite inter industries, VTOLs. It's probably one of my most favorite topics because it's like electric flight machines and also efficiency. Delta is making a $60 million investment in Joby hmm. Aviation, okay. which we'd been a little worried about, if I'm being honest, and will buy 2% of the company. And what's super interesting about this is that Delta is hope it broke late last week. Delta is hoping to have Joby be an add-on that you could book along with your flight to for transportation to and from the airport. Yes, please. Flying taxi to the airport. Um, this was a very, uh, this makes total sense. So good. It's a great investment. Now, I, uh, I, uh, I, I was fascinated by helicopter travel when I was a kid. Now, mm -hmm. I, I'm reticent to bring this up, but this is not without precedent. There was a building in New York called the Pan Am Building. Yeah. It still exists. And the top floor of the Pan Am building was the Pan Am Club. And on the top of the Pan Am Club, they had giant helicopters um, that were military grade helicopters. And when you were in the the age of, um, uh, you know, when traveling was a beautiful thing, and, and you know, it was a more refined thing, uh, you yeah. dressed up, it was like going to church kind of situation when you, you took could a flight. Smoke. 
you smoked the whole thing. <laughs> you know, every every class seat was like first class. The food was great. They wheel a card around. You know, everybody's dressed up. It was kind of like a little bit like going to the club or something or to Coco Cabana. I always mm -hmm. admit it. So anyway, they had these Chinooks. These are like the two helicopter, the, the two things mm -hmm. on the helicopters. Mm -hmm. And the Pan Am building is where Grand Central is. So your your thing, if you were a New Yorker, was you go God, over there. Look how cool that is. And they is. give you a meal. You check in. And then you get in one of these Chinooks. And they take you. I think I'm pronouncing it correct. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. You fly to the top of the Pan Am building in the middle of Manhattan. And this was like a glorious thing to do. Um, until one of the struts on a landing broke. It tipped over. Blades went flying. Somebody died on the waiting for the next helicopter. And then people also, somebody on the street tragically yeah. died. But Ooh. I mean, look at this picture of the plane landing on the top of the Pan Am building, the second one down. You see it oh, right there. Oh, that is amazing. How amazing is that? And what That's you see so cool. there, that little strip along the top, if you're watching youtube.com slash this weekend, hit the subscribe button and the alert. That little, there's the landing, but the, the, the windows below that are the Pan Am Club, which then later, my uncle John McCabe, um, he it became, a, it became a private club for like, you know, Wall Street dudes and... Uh, he was a member of it, but it was like a very elite club with incredible views. So it was just amazing. You just get off at Grand Central, go up to the top of the Pan Am building. They would have like a beautiful lounge and then you get on this thing. And that's what this is going to be. Now, of course, yeah. there's the um, Uber of helicopters, Blade, that is doing a similar service. And uh, yeah. they went I public mean, too. I think Blade went public. But I think this is the, the game changer is Joby. I think it it's is. It's going to be it's so much safer. Electric. It's yeah. so... And, and there are... You know, the biggest problem with anything like this is the million regulations that stand between you and not having to drive yourself to the airport or getting car sick in the back mm -hmm. of an Uber. But in this case, some of those regulations about flight in particular mm -hmm. and overhead are related to noise. And these things are silent. Like, mm -hmm. no, there's the, the underestimated and undervalued part, I think, of electric flight is it is silent. And mm -hmm. so it won't necessarily be that disruptive i mean i'm sure there will be a big long fight to get this done but i want it, it this is going to be better right now new york has a big problem with tourist helicopters flying over central park and hovering and it makes a shit ton of noise yeah. on the weekends and people are complaining mm -hmm. and uh, we had it when i lived in brentwood in la the 405 like all these helicopters would go and be like there's traffic on the 405 and the 10 and it's like there's traffic in the 405 and 10 every evening you don't, yeah, you don't need, need to send four helicopters <laughs> over our homes to show how bad the traffic is yeah we know the traffic's bad and you also have cameras already there that you have access to the the caltrans i mean you can pull the traffic mm -hmm. cameras up on the web browser it's so wasteful and stupid and loud and it's, annoying it was and dumb so dumb and awful. um but here's the good news. These things are going to be safer because you have multiple blades. They're mm -hmm. going to be more environmentally correct. And you're going to be able to drive them places where, you know, noise is a bit of a problem. This is going to change mm -hmm. the world. And when you see a $60 million investment, now remember, we talked about the letters of intent, LOIs, mm -hmm. which I refer to as the LONs, letters of nothing. <laughs> the letters of nothing. That means you convince somebody, and in the meeting, you said, hey, Delta, listen, we're going to give you some free stock options, give you some warrants. You tell everybody you're signing for a 100 of these things. Yeah. And here's the contract. And uh, yeah, yeah, of course, your lawyers put in here, we can cancel at any time. And there's like 17 other things. And here's your payment terms. And, and you know, that's what... Um, uh, the guy who just went to jail, uh, or who's, who's guilty, Trevor yeah, from... Uh, Trevor Milton Milton from Nicola. Nicola, you know, he was talking these letters of intent right here on This Week in Startups, and I was mm -hmm. trying to get the information on it. I was pumping him for a little bit of information on that. It was hard to get. This is $60 million of cash, and I don't know how good Delta is doing, but that's a big check to write, okay? Delta's There's no great. gravy train, in the yeah. words of Trevor Milton, the gravy train. <laughs> ah, that was amazing. There's no badger. <laughs> this is legit. I mean, yeah. $60 million, you have to, I mean, the board has massive skin in the name and it could be up to 200 million if uh, joby hits their milestones according to the news that we've read so congratulations to joby i'm hovering around the j trade on this one oh really yeah no, i I'm i got it though i got it i got the pun i got it land huh um it, i've heard it as hoovering and then i got distracted by thinking about vacuuming it didn't land oh my god i'm such a slow burn we cannot do any this is just embarrassing this is embarrassing Okay. It's like All Dawn right, comes to Mountainhead over here. <laughs> <sighs> I right. love this. I love this. I, this I is do. like I the love world this. I want to live in. All right, listen. And great I job, love Molly. seeing these airlines, by the way. Hmm. 
make the leap, right? Like make these investments, talk, think about making our experience better after just abusing us for so long. United Airlines invested in Eve Air Mobility and is also looking into flying taxis. Like, let's go, everybody, make it better, make it better. You know, I think it's close. I think it's really close. I've been really using close. the full self-driving beta and that's getting close. Um, you know, it's it, it actually works now. It's a little jittery. The number one problem with full self-driving right now is drivers driving like humans because this thing drives like a computer. Yeah. And then people run stop signs in my neighborhood, like in the peninsula, as I've said before, a stop sign is kind of a suggestion in California. They're like, yeah. stop if you want. <laughs> and I'm like, it's red. And it says stop. And <sighs> people go through it like it's a yield sign. I like can't even with California driving right now. I mean, I understand that this is like, I don't know, it's some weird post pandemic. There aren't any rules. It's like Mad Max everywhere. But I mean, every speed is represented on a single stretch of freeway at any given time from 120 to 35. Like it's bonkers. in any lane you want. It's well, just what about the people who are playing Fast and Furious and they're like, that's I don't know, you have this a lot out there because of the, the Fast and Furious influence inspiring a lot of young people. But where they travel like in a little train and they're yeah. weaving around us with our yeah. kids in the car. And it's like, zoom, a person cuts you off. You're like, oh my God. And then zoom, zoom, two more following two more. them. Because they start racing like, each other. One of them sees one doing. doing it and then they start racing and it's a whole, I know, I just, I, I like. I mean, they have to impound those cars. I don't know what's going on they with CHP, but we have to take that we seriously because that. they don't take it seriously, do they? CHP the, the is quiet quitting. Cops are quiet quitting in Oakland. Yeah, they're quiet quitting in California. This is what happens when you, you know, go yeah. after the police. They quiet quit, you know, and they're like, okay, you want to, okay, yeah. You pull them over. <laughs> it's like, you think yeah. I say, you think I say bad words on this show. You should hear me in the car. When you're driving oh, right. and people do this. I mean, it's, I'm just oh, always yeah. just concerned about my children in the car. Yes. I understand you want to race, but there's racetracks. I, God bless you. Go to the racetrack. Just don't do it on the 580, on the 280. Mm -mm. They don't do it on the 280. It's the 101, the 580. I got yeah. a couple of highways. I see them doing it on regularly. 280 is like, that's my grandma highway. That's like the I love it. Tesla so BMW pretty. highway. It's delightful. I love it. I take the 280. I get smiles. I take the 280, even though it takes four or five extra minutes. That's my yeah. luxury. That's my little like cheat code. I'm like, oh, I can get there in six minutes less if I take the 101. Eh, I'm Absolutely sticking with the 280. Not. It's a quality of life situation. Yeah. Yeah. Driving the 280 is like driving. It's like literally driving through the Alps. It's I like feel like I'm, you know, like some Swede. Or, I mean, Norway driving through the fjords. I love it, it is lovely. It is lovely. All right, everybody. That was a great show. Hopefully you enjoyed the life lessons, the top secret Jason presentation. Mm. Even our management team hasn't seen this yet. Mm, there you go. And now my whole company is going to be buzzing about it Sneak tonight. Peek, exactly. Did you see the show? I mean, people I'm going to be on Slack it. tonight. Like. I'm going to be on Slack tonight. All right. Uh, mm -hmm. Tomorrow, next unicorns, okay? A new, at a new format. We're going to check in on the next unicorns that we previously covered. And what have we learned in that period of time? It's going to be a great week on This Week in Startups. That's right. Stick with us all week. <laughs>